Hey, it's Andrea. Today, Wesley has a man crush. This episode feels like purgatory. And we ask the question, why did people think Jerry Lewis was funny? All that and more coming up. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Today, we're talking about Season 1, Episode 4, The Outrageous Okana, written by Les Menchin, Lance Dixon, and David Landsberg, directed by Robert Becker, and the star date is 42402.7. Can I add something to the credits? Yes. I, I also found online that the teleplay, which I don't know what that is, maybe <laughs> it's like a screenplay, I don't know, was written by Burton Armin. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. So why we're excited about that, gang, is that Burton Armis was the inspiration for a creature named Armis in the Skin of Evil episode, which was season one, episode 22, the episode where Yar died. And so, um, yeah, one of our guests had brought that to our attention. I had never heard of this guy. And now I bet I'm going to see his name everywhere. Yes, I saw. I agree. I saw that name and I was like, oh, Armis shows his face again, sort of. (laughs) (laughs) At least we see the name. All right, so here's what happens in the Outrageous Okana. As the Enterprise passes through the coalition of Medina, which is a little coalition of a couple planets, it detects a small cargo ship under manual control by its single occupant. The crew makes contact with the pilot, Captain Thadian Okana, who requests help to repair his ship. Captain Picard agrees, and the Enterprise tows Okana's ship while Okana is brought on board. The crew soon finds that Okana has taken a keen interest in the women on the ship, beginning with Transporter Chief Robinson, which is played by an uncredited Terry Hatcher. Mm-hmm. And that's where this story sort of starts. That's where the trouble yeah. begins, at least. <laughs> so first off, um, overall thoughts about the episode. It feels like a season one episode to me. Mm-hmm. It feels yeah. just sort of silly. Um. The, the problem the problem itself is like kind of dumb <laughs> you know like the two the two separate men like trying to trying to get okana like in, into their custody because they have beef to settle with him it's like it's kind of dumb like it i feel like it's that sort of problem is like below the station of the enterprise to have to deal with that yeah this episode feels very sitcommy and i don't i don't know what category you would put tng into but it wouldn't be sitcom like it, that it wouldn't fit in that category. So that's kind of what this felt like. I almost expected a laugh track to kind of pop up here and there. So th- we have this captain, Captain Okana, who just reminds me of like Prince Eric from The Little Mermaid, but yes, in a more kind of scoundrel type way, <laughs> less like, um, I don't know, pure or something. But the whole time I was just waiting for him to burst into song. Oh my God, me too. Like I kept thinking he was, I, I just was waiting for somebody to be like, oh, you scamp, you know, like in the in the <laughs> middle of the hallways or something. Cause he's just a very like charming and charismatic and, and like bon vivant, like lives for the good stuff in life kind of mm-hmm. a man who whose job is just like, he has kind of a small job. Like he just is a cargo freighter pilot and just kind of like takes stuff like from one planet to another he's basically mm-hmm. a, a he's a, basically like a, a truck driver boy. Yeah. yeah he's a delivery oh, boy. Or a truck driver yeah, yeah he sort of is a truck driver, yeah. truck driver. <laughs> so he's the, a truck driver in space yeah like he's a very um 
He's a very uh, charming, uh, sexually healthy truck driver. Yes, yes. A man with a healthy libido, as as, um, Commander Riker says. So just a teeny bit of trivia. William O. Campbell is the actor who plays Okana. He actually was shortlisted to be to take the role of Commander Riker. Oh wow! Yeah, and I, I can, can see that. Yeah, they have very similar like sort of body type and look height. Mm-hmm. Like they're both really big men, um, but the role obviously ultimately went to Jonathan Frakes. Um, and then uh, when they have that little comedy bit, um, Jerry Lewis was supposed to be the the comic in the holodeck that's why they did jerry lewis yes example. he okay. had he had a scheduling conflict and couldn't actually tape you know he couldn't be uh, mm-hmm. he couldn't make an appearance so mm-hmm. they tapped joe piscopo who was like famous at the time for like his saturday yes. night live performances yes. and he actually mm-hmm. ad-libbed most of his lines that he had with data so that's kind of funny but yeah i just thought why are you doing jerry lewis and i realized it was sort of a nod to the fact that jerry lewis was supposed, supposed to be, to be there. yeah mm-hmm. That makes more sense. So, yeah, my overall thoughts about this episode, I agree that this could have been a season one episode. And I yeah. think that might be kind of a, a thing we say as we're going through. We'll kind of be like, ooh, that's season one. And that, <laughs> by the way, is like a bad thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's not, it's like not good. Um, yeah, this, this, could have been a, this could have been definitely a season one. And um, But you know what? Let's go through it. Let's go through it beat Let's by beat. We'll talk about the things that we liked, if any. We'll talk about the things <laughs> that we did not like. Um, I have a feeling this might be a short one because I just I think it's going to be great. It's going to be a break <laughs> from our hour, our hour and a half long interviews. It's going to be like a 20 minute episode. Yeah. Short. <laughs> only listen to this episode. If you're like on your way to the grocery store and back or something, because we're going <laughs> this is not a road trip kind of a podcast episode. Cause I kind of watched it just going, okay, so that happens. Oh yeah. So that happens. Oh, it's over. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. And so when it opens up, when it opens up on the bridge, I am happy to say there was not a scant in sight. Yay! I was like, whoop, whoop. Yep, I think we are clearly out of the scant territory. <sighs> so they happy. hung onto those uniforms until, and by scant, we mean those little tiny, tiny little skirts that the men and women would wear. Yeah, those things I think are, are season one. So we're done with that. Yay. Um, and then as soon as they go to like Terry Hatcher, in the uh, transporter room to kind mm-hmm. of bring Okana on board or whatever. I mm-hmm. was kind of like, I didn't know it was Terry Hatcher until we got in there, but I heard the woman's voice and I was like, what happened to chief O'Brien? Like I was so yeah. excited that they had finally brought him onto the show and season in episode one of season yeah. two, because he becomes such a big character in the show. Yeah. He, he becomes a big like co-star. Like he's, he's always kind of in the background, but mm-hmm. he becomes, he becomes a thing. I don't um, know if he ever became a season regular. I don't recall seeing his name like in the, opening credits. I don't know if he ever became season regular, but yeah, that's something. Oh, he does. Okay. He does become a, he does become a a regular. And then he goes on to be on, I think deep space nine. Yes, he does. He's definitely on deep space nine. Okay. So they, they find this small ship that's having navigational errors. They do hail him. And I love that when the screen opens on the bridge of the enterprise, you're just looking at O'Connor's butt. Which is pretty funny. Like he's bent over, you know, he's he's cracking jokes, he's very roguish. And Picard is like, What the f what am I what am I looking at? I'm talking to a man's ass on my screen, but it's like twelve feet tall because that's how big my screen is. It's super weird. Uh right. And so so they bring him on board. Did you notice I, I before before they before they bring him on board, they lock on a tractor beam. And I noticed a couple things right off the bat. Number one, Worf usually locks on tractor beams and he does it. He's like, beep, boop, tractor beam locked on. Yeah. This time, Wesley does it. And mm. I don't know if you noticed, but Riker's like, okay, easy. 
Mm-hmm. Easy. He was now. lining up the back of the ship to match with O'Connor's ship to tractor it. Supposedly, it sounded like to tractor it into the shuttle bay. But then when you look at the image, you're like, that ship's freaking huge. There's yeah. no way that's fitting inside the shuttle bay. And you're like, yeah, you don't need to be a certain like location or position to track. Mm-hmm. You just tractor things left, right, center, up and down. I mean, it's 3D space, right? There's no gravity. But there's no like air yeah. resistance. There's nothing. So it was really weird. But then I also thought, I don't know if we've seen a tractor beam in all of season one. So they might still be working out just like with the, the, the hollow. Yes. Deck, they might still be working out what are the rules for this technology we just totally made up. A hundred percent. I think you're, I think you are right about that because the other thing I noticed about the tractor beam, anytime they did an external shot of the enterprise, you know, had O'Connor ship, that mm-hmm. tractor beam is not the normal color and sound effect mm-hmm. as the mm-hmm. subsequent tractor beam like shots that we see, like as the season gets more mature. Yeah. And I was like, that's not, that blue is kind of the wrong shade. It's a little bit too green. Like, yeah. I so, did not notice that. Yeah. And a couple things too, I noticed like a little bit of that sort of sophomoric, like still kind of growing pains. Like w- when we get into the holodeck and the characters appear and disappear, they kind of like shimmer first, like a mirage and then disappear where mm-hmm. later, and, and I hadn't even seen that. Like, I did not notice that at all in like the big goodbye um, or in elementary dear data, things just appeared and disappeared this time. They all kind of like shimmer for a half second, almost like a Romulan cloaking device. Ooh, that might be the nerdiest sentence I've ever said in my life. <laughs> well, stay tuned. Cause there's going to be many, many more <laughs> through the lifetime of our show. I am sure. Yeah, so they're, oh my so God, they're yeah. still, they're still growing in that. And so, yeah, I did notice that. And I was like, Oh, that's really weird. And I just thought, well, maybe, this is the first time they're busting this out. And then later on, we'll see like what you're saying. Worf does it. It doesn't matter where you are. You just beam, beam, beam. And just like track yes. anything from anywhere. And I also noticed later on when those two ships come to kind of like argue yeah. about who gets to keep Okana, both ships are positioned in front of the Enterprise, like side by side facing the ship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's totally unnecessary. Yeah. Because they're not looking at them through the view screen. Yep. Like they're not looking at them through a window, right? They're looking at them through the actual... Um, I mean, I guess it is the view screen, but they're not looking at them through the window where they can see out into space. They're looking yeah. at them through um, the visual communication. So you could be anywhere. They could be behind the enterprise. They could be upside down. Yeah. It doesn't matter because it's just an image being projected. Yes. Yes. So I thought that was kind of, that was kind of weird, but, and and I don't feel like we needed to see that either as an audience. Like sometimes no. we need that perspective of how far, how close, but I was like, I don't, we know that there's two ships. I don't need to see them yes. side by side in front. Like they're raising their hand as students I in a classroom. I think it's a little bit of a of a um, scale thing that they wanted to show us. Like they wanted to show us just how small and insignificant those two ships were compared to the Enterprise. Because if you remember in the neutral zone, mm-hmm. when the Romulan warbird decloaks, it goes like nose to nose with the Enterprise and it is mm-hmm. significantly larger, mm-hmm. which tells us like, ooh, you guys better play by the rules. Otherwise like shit can go kind of sideways really quickly. But these guys... I, it, and it and you're right. It didn't even need to be shown because they've locked on lasers. Like the lasers can't even get through our navigational shields. Like eh, it's it's like a fly. That's what Worf says. It's like a glob fly, which is just like a gnat that's just buzzing around and being annoying. Anyway, but we get ahead of ourselves. So they bring O'Connor. I mean, that aboard. pretty much is the episode. <laughs> so thanks <laughs> for joining done. us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so they bring O'Connor aboard. He's introduced a bunch of people and he sees Transporter Chief Robinson, which I said is played by Terry Hatcher. She had a bunch of scenes cut from the final edit of the show Mm -hmm. and she was very disappointed with that. So she specifically asked not to 
not to have her name attached to the show, which I think is really risky as an actress. Like you're trying to get exposure and you're trying to like build up your portfolio. I would, mm-hmm. I would want people to know, like I was on this project and this project and maybe it didn't go the way I'd wanted, but like, yeah, yeah. I, it, it's like cutting I mean, things out of your resume. It doesn't seem to I make can sense. Actually, I can actually understand that though, because I did have a lot of, you know, friends who were actors or are actors or whatever. And I had this one friend who was an actress in New York and a lot of the roles she kept getting were to, as she said, play crack whores. So mm. it was always like, you know, she would get these tiny skimpy little dresses and they'd be like, okay, you're this drug addicted, whatever, you know, and these were, these were extras. These weren't like big speaking roles or anything, but she was always playing some kind of prostitute on a street corner or something like that. And she kept saying like, do you have anything like, do you have anything a little bit less revealing? And they would bring out a skirt that's like half an inch longer, yeah. you know, or do you have any roles that are like less degrading and like no that's that's what they had for her so she um is no longer an actress she's a teacher but like my (laughs) point is is that it's easy I think to get typecast in Hollywood and so in this in this episode Terry Hatcher is just basically like seduced immediately and the next scene you see her in she's drawing she's drawing him into his his, her arms and that's all she is so I could see her being like "Ooh, like in my next Mm -hmm. roles I don't want them to think of me as that girl like that's not the kind of role that I want to continue to have. So let's just not mention that one. I can see that. And I've heard actors say that. Like I, I saw behind the scenes of um, Jason Bateman from Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. And he was saying how this show he did before Arrested Development had typecast him. And they were all like, oh, we really don't want this guy on our show. He's not going to be funny. He's not going to be good. Like he's not going to fit because of what he's done in the past. And like that had held him back. And they gave him a chance. They, they For some reason, they finally gave him a chance. And then he obviously won the role and crushed it. So yeah, I no, he that. totally, he totally killed it. Yeah. You know what? As usual, Sharice, I take a stance, you explain it. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Agreeable Andrea at the deck again. <laughs> just like, Oh, you're right. Um, but I guess maybe that's a good thing. I'm just open to other people's ideas and opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess I could see that because one of the notes that I did take about this episode was this is writing women poorly and not, not, doing the women justice. The women mm-hmm. in this episode are just playthings and objects for Okana. And, and it, like con- they have their convenient holes there. Yes, they are. They're sexy lamps. They are. They don't mm-hmm. even have really speaking roles or names. Um, it, nothing. They have no identity other than just being a sexy plaything, which is uh, annoying. Um, especially since I feel like we were trying to get over that hump in season one, but this again is why this feels so season one. So they're mm-hmm. walk, you know, D- Data and O'Connor are walking down the hallway and O'Connor cracks a joke and it brings up this discussion of knowing what humor is versus knowing when something is funny. Mm-hmm. So Data has this whole thing where he's like, oh, a witticism, a bon mal, like a play on words with a trick ending. Mm-hmm. And O'Connor's like, okay, that's the definition of humor, mm-hmm. but do you know what funny is? And so mm-hmm. Data kind of goes through this whole rabbit hole and this does become sort of a funny subplot where data is trying to understand what humor is and he Mm -hmm. goes to Guinan and Guinan is like seek a higher power but in your case maybe a stronger computer or something so he goes Mm -hmm. to the holodeck and then you know Joe Piscopo is there as the comic and he does the Jerry Lewis bit which for the life of me I cannot understand why people think that's funny you know what? I, I agree. Like, I remember watching um, Jerry Lewis when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I remember he was so funny. And I remember thinking he was so funny. Yeah. And as I was watching the scene, I was like, what the F was I thinking? Like, <laughs> yes. about this is funny. And then I was like, is this just like a, do you have to be four to yes. get this? And I was yes. like, well, no, because he was like one of the biggest comedians around at the time. Like, 
he was huge. I and this was, his, that. this was his comedy. It was like slapsticky, you know, make fun of the guy who looks and sounds goofy kind of a thing. And I, yeah, I was just my like, eye rolls. I, my eye rolls so were hard. so big. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> this is not, it's not even okay. like I, nothing I, about it is funny. I could see, I could see Jerry Lewis being successful at the time because it was sensationalist type of humor. Like, Stand-up comedy didn't have anybody who was doing like slapsticky, like falling all over the place mm-hmm. and all that shit. Mm-hmm. And so I could see it being a little bit like a train wreck where people are like, this is a disaster, but I don't want to look away because I want to see like what's going to happen mm-hmm. next. But like, mm-hmm. listen, man, you did that bit for like 25 years. It's not, it wasn't funny in the first place. Like it's, it would yeah. be, it would be funny to my four-year-old nephew. And yeah. that's about it. That's about it. Because, and but yet like, if somebody is a huge fan of Jerry Lewis and can explain to us why you thought he was so funny info at the tngpodcast.com because i'd like to know i yeah i really can't yeah, come up with we, an explanation we missed the joke entirely so <laughs> like so much like goes, data we missed yeah, it so, so he goes <laughs> and we have this whole long thing with joe piscopo and like over and over data's trying to get advice on like how do i how how can i be funny and honestly the scene was very painful for me to watch because yeah. it just seems like it was, it was just so painful however i do like at the end when data sped it up because that's exactly how I watch stuff now. I watch stuff in like two X when I can. And so I love how data's like faster, faster, faster. And I was like, yes, let's get through Therese, this. Woo. You are becoming more and more like data every day. Every day. <laughs> thanks, thanks to COVID. More and more like data every day. Um, so yeah, so I I really appreciate that because I felt like, okay, this scene is still going. And then he sped it up and I was like, oh thank God the scene is over. And one thing I actually do like, and this is probably I, I only want to say two things about his whole this whole subplot because I, I don't think it takes much discussion, but thing, thing one that I would love to say is that, um, he says this thing that's so profound. And I think he says it to Guinan where he says, or maybe he says it to Joe Piscopo. I don't remember, but he says he just wants to fit in. Like that's the whole reason yes. why he wants to be funny to partake, just, to partake with others. And I thought that yeah. you're right. So sweet. It's very sweet. He just wants to be a part of the conversation. He just wants to know why people are laughing when they're laughing. So he could just you know, be one of the gang. And I thought that was really sweet. His, his why is very like pure. Yes. And the second thing I'll say is I love that Guinan is trying to teach him about comedy because Guinan is played by Whoopi Goldberg. One of the funniest people in the world. She is a stand-up mm-hmm. comedian mm-hmm. and she's hilarious. So it was just like, Oh, this is so funny that like one of the funniest people in the world is playing as somebody else who's teaching someone about being yes. funny. Yes. In a super subtle way. So I just thought that was like, a, that was kind of nice. You're right. And there is that little meta kind of moment when Guinan goes with Data back to the holodeck and they're, you know, Data is trying his comedy bit on it on the holodeck audience. And, you know, they're mm-hmm. laughing at every little thing he does. And Joe Piscopo is on backstage, you know, kind of like giving the thumbs up to Data, like, come on, you know, encouraging him. Mm-hmm. And Guinan goes, you did this for a living and Joe Piscopo as the comic goes, yes, I did. And I think that's pretty funny because she's sort of deriding like this Avenue this that he's pursued world, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. which and is like, exactly what she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, people are idiots. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. So while this is happening, a couple of ships, uh, first, one unidentified ship intercepts the Enterprise and locks on lasers, which we talked about. And it's, it's so funny. I've never heard that before. I know. Well, did you hear how Worf said it? He's like, he's locked on lasers. It's not even yep. phasers. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck? L- lasers. Yeah, it just sounded weird. 
<laughs> yeah, that which I th- which I thought was funny. Yeah, it's like trying to kill somebody with like a Nerf gun. You're like, mm, <laughs> anyway. So it's Debin from the planet Atlek, and he accuses Okana of being a criminal. And at the same time, a second ship appears, um, and it's Kushel from this other planet, and he is also um, a- accusing Okana of stealing this jewel of Thesia from his planet. Straleb, I want to say. Um, so you have these two men who are both arguing that they deserve to have custody of Okana because he's committed a ton of crimes, which mm-hmm. actually puts Picard in a tough position because he's like, look, I have no jurisdiction here. I can't be deciding yeah. who yeah. gets you or what happens. Um, and this is where I thought, this is where I thought it really, really went season one. When Debin reveals that Okana has impregnated his daughter and wants him returned so he can marry her. And I was like, this is some like 1970s shit mm-hmm. right here. Like, mm-hmm. my honor is at stake. You've dishonored or me and my family. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very. And I was like, Ugh. you know, in 23 something. That's not a thing. It's but not that's actually what they say. That's That's what they say. They say it's like an antiquated, like... You know, they have a conversation after they mute screen for the 17th time where um, (laughs) where Troy and Picard are talking and they're like, oh, this very antiquated, like old school way of thinking is what this old morality is what's ruling them. And, um, you know, and he's very serious about it. He will go to war. He will destroy everybody on his ship, including his daughter and her unborn child, Mm -hmm. just to get like satisfaction for his for his morals. And I think this kind of also goes back to, you know, Uncle Gene. We've talked about Gene Roddenberry, who's not really my uncle. I just like to call him that. Um, But (laughs) if he he were if he were my uncle, he would be the racist uncle that ruins Thanksgiving dinner. That's what I feel like he would be 100 percent. But he'd also be very loving because you pointed out that he's all into free love and yeah, whatever and open marriages (laughs) and stuff like that. So I feel like this was also kind of kind of like a bit of his influence as well. Right. To say that thinking of, you know, marrying someone because you got them pregnant is such an antiquated idea and also like really like disparaging it. Because he's all about free love and open marriage and, you know, whatever. It's it's very opposite to his his worldview. But anyways, yeah. So you find that out and you're kind of like, so what? Who cares? Like, whatever. But yeah, it does put Picard in this really weird position because he's like, I'm not the judge and jury, but I'm not going to just be like, oh, you were here first. You take him. No, no, you take him. And he's st- and he keeps yeah. going like, what is the crime exactly? Like, maybe we can work something out. What is the crime exactly? And neither man is like wanting to say anything. He's like, Okana, get up here now. Okana doesn't want to say anything. And it's like, oh, my gosh, and that, like, this is the, that the drama was, part of the show. That to me was so confusing where they're like, he clearly knew, Okana clearly knew like what both mm-hmm. men wanted and just offered nothing in the form of defense of himself or explanation. I don't know why they're mad. Yeah. I and have I no just, idea. Yeah. And I went, what? Like, that doesn't seem like a natural reaction. It would be, I think it'd be, you know, Okana is, seems to be very, very used to like going at it alone, doing his own thing, not having to answer to anyone. And so I could see him, I think it would make more sense if he were like, you know, it's a personal matter. I don't need to explain it to you. But instead of just feigning ignorance, which I thought was kind of dumb. Which is really dumb. And then he's like, just let me go. Just let me go on my way. So his bright idea was just release the tractor beam. I'll hop onto my ship and fly away really fast and hope they won't catch me. <laughs> That's like so stupid. It's not like you're going to another solar system. It's not like you're going, like you're not going to be warping out of here. Yeah. You're just going to get like two feet and both ships are going to stop you. You're going to keep the conversation going like. And then they finally, I know we're, we're fast forwarding to the end, but there's not much to say. Nah, not really. So they finally, so then he's finally like, okay, you know, he has this heartwarming moment with, with Wesley, who's totally enamored 
by the way. Oh my God. He's just like, Okana's the best. He's so funny and he's so nice, you know? I could see, and, yeah, Wesley could be like, Okana is the bomb, you know, or something. Yeah, whatever yeah. whatever 15-year-old would say in 23, whatever. It's like, yeah. You, <laughs> he is, yeah, you're right. He's just like so taken in by this like roguish scamp who has his way with the ladies, who who mm. he, everybody loves him immediately. Like that's everything Wesley wants to be. Flow. He doesn't have to be tethered down anywhere. Yes. So he has this heart to heart with Wesley where Wesley's just kind of like, wow, I could never do that. I could never just be kind of like a rolling stone because I have friends and family and loved ones. And I enjoy being a part of society, basically. Mm -hmm. And it kind of makes Okana think twice. And so he's like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to do the right thing. Like, I'm going to talk to I'm not going to run. I'm going to actually stand and talk. And then Picard is like, all right, I'll beam you guys over to my ship so we can all have a conversation. And my immediate thought was. Why the F didn't he do this in the first place? Yep. As soon as both ships showed up, like that was out of character for Picard. It'd be like, what are the crimes? What are the crimes? And Mm -hmm. they're like, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say, all right, go ahead. You two come to my ship. Okana, you come as well. We're all going to arbitrate this stuff Mm -hmm. and y'all are going to leave me the F alone. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I, that, like he should have done that at the beginning. And then the way they did it too was so sitcom-y cheesy where he was like, I'm going to, I know what I'm going to do. It's time for me to stop running or whatever the heck he said. And then he's like. (laughs) Okay, let's bring him on the board. But he never he, explains he what does, that means. He does like the real world thing. He's like, I'm going to stop running and start getting real. Real world, you know, whatever. Like, yeah. it was so dumb. You're right. But it's he didn't so dumb. Say what it was. He just said it in this mysterious way. And Picard didn't push him. Like, what exactly does that mean? Also, what exactly are you going to do? Also, we quickly, quickly find out that Okana didn't commit either of the crimes that he's accused of. But he doesn't. In a dumb way. He, he does doesn't, that in a dumb he way. D- he doesn't even bother to be like, obviously I'm innocent of these crimes and here's what I'll, here's my explanation, my evidence. He's just like, okay, I'll marry Yanara or whatever the girl's name is. He's like, I'll just marry her. It's like, so you're willing to tie yourself down to a life, to a woman that you're going to marry her. He just said that to, to make the other guy say something. Yeah. Cause he kept looking, he he kept looking at him. He kept looking at him the whole time. He was saying, oh, I'll marry her. Come stand next to me. And the whole time he was saying, he was looking at him and he was going like, no, you, you can't, you can't marry. Why not? Yeah, Kushal's Why son. not? Yeah, Kushal's yeah, and son. He, and so I feel like all of that was just to, at least from Okana's point, was to force them to be honest mm. instead of telling their secrets. Because he could have just been like, look, here's the deal. They've been sleeping together. I've been shuttling the two of them back and forth. This is for, like, he could have just spilled it all out. But instead, he played along and forced them to kind of admit what they ah. were doing. So that way, he still gets to be, he, he doesn't end up being like a snitch, right? He still kind of comes out being honest and mm. honest scamp or whatever. <laughs> sure. I don't know. The whole, the whole storyline. Okay. Like a, like young. a, like a thief of the heart of gold. He's kind of Robin hoodie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, a couple of quick things. So when, he, when Picard wants to beam the delegates aboard, he says, um, we're going to be at deck 14 conference room. And I was like, there's more conference rooms other than the observation <laughs> deck. And there's, because any of people have to have conferences. I get, I get, hey, I guess that's true. You know, if you have to have a conference or a study room, you can't just go into the bridge and then onto the observation mm-hmm. deck. But yeah, anytime they have delegates, they always go to like the observation lounge right behind the mm-hmm. bridge. And I was like, that's kind of weird that I was like, deck 14, yeah. that, that caught my ear. But yes, and then Okana, Okana is there trying to sort of, you know, manipulate the situation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so Debin's daughter, I think her name is Yanara, she has this like very, soap opera e mm-hmm. like tantrum where she's like i'm not gonna marry either one of you i'm gonna ah, right and it's just well, so she cheesy goes, okay i am gonna marry okana 
why the heck are you gonna marry okana you all think he's he's the baby's father so i will marry him okay yeah so is he not i'm not marrying anybody okay (laughs) on third thought i'm gonna marry whatever girl yeah figure it out go go i don't know so so turn yeah so it turns out that okana has been shuttling the two back and forth their lovers that you know she's pregnant with the kushel's son's baby or whatever so finally picard is like cool this situation is sort of sorted out i'm gonna leave you know of course the 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 grandparents to be start arguing about what planet they're gonna live on and picard is like i'm about to peace out because you guys figured it out okana's mm-hmm. off my hands i want you all out of my hair like yeah i want you all off my ship yes please quickly (laughs) please and thank you so data is continuing his humor you know attempt and he's doing the stand-up routine and he realizes it's not really working and and guinan finally says like you know humor is not the end-all be-all way to like interact and be like part of a group and maybe that's just like not your not your bit so as as they as Okana is, you know, getting back onto a ship and taking off and the other two ships are, you know, taken off into the sunset or whatever. Um, Wesley says goodbye to Okana and he tells Data, like, say goodbye, Data. And Data says, goodbye, Data. And that kind of makes everyone laugh. And that was a little throwback to George Burns, the comedian. He and his wife had a comedy bit and he would say, say goodnight, Gracie. And she'd say goodnight, Gracie. So I love that they had like a little throwback. It made him laugh. And then of course, Data, of course, took it a little too far and starts going, take my wharf, please. Which was a very famous joke. Like take Mm -hmm. my wife, please. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was genuinely funny. Like you put Mm -hmm. work's name instead of wife. Like that was, that was funny. I that was funny. It. And I actually, I liked his comedy bit that he did with Guinan in 10 forward too. Like I thought that was yes. funny. And I loved his like, Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. And with, yeah, exactly. With his <laughs> with arms the, moving with the arms. The, the way too big cigar in his hand. I just thought like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is so funny. But I, and I, and that conversation they had too was really great where Guinan's just like, that's not funny. No. And, and he's like, well, wasn't it, but it wasn't it a funny joke. And he goes, she goes, well, the joke was funny, but data it's you, you're not funny. And he goes, yes. are you sure? And she's like, yes. And he goes, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought that was so, very cute. I thought that was funny too. Where he's like, yeah, I agree. What do I do about that? Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Just he like- looked a little sad. Couple catches. When he had, when he got the cigar in the holodeck, he goes to 10 forward. He still has a cigar and he's doing his little bit for Guinan. And yeah. she's like, that's yeah. not funny. So it's like, how that cigar last outside the holodeck, which again, we, yep. it's like that elementary dear data with the piece of paper, but throwback to elementary dear data. I was like, data is smoking again. And he needs a smoking jacket. Cause that ash is going to get on his <laughs> uniform. Get your Sherlock Holmes smoking jacket back out. Anyway. Yeah. I was like, no, no, no ash on the uniform, but whatever. It's holodeck ash. It wouldn't even whatever. <laughs> right. Who it cares? should only even be in the holodeck anyways. But yeah, the um, the other thing about the technology that they're still kind of figuring out the rules in the universe yeah. is when they beam the delegates on, um, who, I guess maybe it was Terry Hatcher. I don't know who mm-hmm. was in the transporter room at yep, the time, but she, she was. goes, they go, um, they have no weapons. And I was like, okay, so here's the thing you guys may not know if you're listening or you probably do because you're as nerdy as we are. But whenever someone um, beams into the ship through the transporters, their their um, weapons are deactivated. Yes, automatically. So they can't automatically. So they can't beam in and just start shooting. Like that's the whole point. That's a security feature. So you can't like so, as soon as we hit energize, you're like pew pew pew, and you take over the transporter and beam all your people on. So sure. your weapons automatically get deactivated. But I guess they hadn't decided that yet. Like that's not a thing yet. So they were just like, yes, they don't have any weapons detected. And I was like, huh interesting okay because later on it doesn't matter you can have all the weapons you want they won't work right 
This is very like, early yeah. season. They're still finding their like rules they're and their rhythm. It up. Yeah. They're, they're still kind of deciding the rules of their universe. But even Which though there's cool. some, even though there are some like discrepancies between like holodeck stuff and tractor beams and things like that, it still is like held together in such a cohesive piece that like only in watching these mm-hmm. episodes, like for the review that I have to watch like very, very closely. Cause I like the mm-hmm. little background details that I was like, Oh wait, the computer voice is a man for a second. Wait, mm-hmm. the images like shimmer before they disappear on the holodeck. Wait, wait, like, but just as a casual viewer, like I wouldn't have picked up on that. Nope. Me yeah. neither. Yeah. Me neither. Anyway, well, I'd like to not revisit this episode because it's kind of like a C minus episode. It's like not great. It's not super offensive. It's just kind of like sitcom. Yeah, it's not. It's not bad. It's just not good. Yeah, it's, it's very, purgatory. Yep, it's, it's purgatory. A, it's a purgatorial episode. <laughs> 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 I I just made up a new word, and we're gonna start. <laughs> we're gonna start using it. All right, Sharice, do you have any final thoughts on this episode before we throw it away? <laughs> Yeah, my final thought was the same as yours. Let's never do this again. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. So next week, gang, we are talking about season two, episode five, Loud as a Whisper. Can't wait to talk about that one. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. See you next time.